0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Just bring the honesty and the integrity to the game. Your guide on the side. If we're not wholeheartedly in our relationship, then we probably are always looking for exit strategies. This is the Matt Townsend
0: Show. Dr.
2: Matt Townsend. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Liana Tan, here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. I want to play for you one of my favorite interviews yet, and I just listened through this interview with Matt and Scott Stanley, and I was just furiously taking notes the whole time because I feel like almost every sentence that came out of his mouth was profound and worth remembering. Today's topic is about commitment issues, and particularly commitment issues with marriage. And maybe I love this interview so much because I can completely relate. So I just got married about two months ago, but It was the biggest hurdle of my life to try to, first of all, come to grips that I had commitment issues and then to work through them. But I really didn't ever think of myself as having commitment issues because I was like, I feel pretty committed to my friends. I wouldn't let them down. I'm a good student. I commit to my grades. I'm a hard worker. I commit to a task. But I think we all have a little bit of commitment issues because it's so much a part of the world and culture we live in. We don't even notice it. And one theory that I have and I was thinking about the other day is that we date like we shop. I mean, I haven't done like a study on it or anything, but I see it in myself and I see it on my friends all the time. I have some friends who, you know, before they go shopping, they make a list and a budget of exactly what they need before they go to a store. And they know exactly what they want when they get there. And they get the first thing they see that meets all of their stipulations, which is usually... Just the same thing they always get, and they never really take the time to explore any other options. And then I have friends who have no idea what they actually want because they just see magazines and TV shows, and they just like waltzing around the mall, and then they'll buy whatever people think looks the trendiest at that time, whether they actually like it or not. And then I know some people who take a lot of time to shop They look at what everything is made out of and where it's sourced from and what benefits or consequences it will have for them in the future. And then they compare pricing of everything. And I think all of these preferences and behaviors translate to how we search for spouses. And that's one thing that Dr. Stanley brings up with Matt. A huge factor in the fear of commitment in today's society is this consumer mentality. We are so used to getting exactly what we want when we want it and being able to state our preferences and make returns when we don't like something and using whatever we have until something better comes along. I am definitely a culprit of this culture, and I've seen all my friends fall into this trap, too. So let's listen to Dr. Stanley talk about how commitment develops and what its challenges are.
3: Yeah, over the last 10 years, uh, you know, I'm a little older. I'm 57, and... uh... Over the last thirty years, you know we um, my colleagues and I, like Howard Markman, you know we've focused a lot on marriage and preparing people for marriage and helping people in marriage and Over the last twelve years or so, uh, we and uh, our colleague Galena Rhodes and some others have really gotten much more into what happens before marriage that it started with becoming very interested in research on premarital cohabitation and what's really the story there and why does it seem to be you know, riskier for some people, despite what most people think. And it's really grown from there into just a whole lot of thinking and thought about how commitment develops or uh. doesn't these days and what's so challenging about it for people.
1: Is the, is the development of commitment changing just with the times, I guess, as technology, as options, as things are changing, that's impacting it as well?
3: Yep, that's one of the theories of, of why it's changing is that we live in a society where, uh, you know, the uh, iPad mini announcement today, you know, you, you always, you have, especially if you're gadgety, you know, you have this yeah. sense of, well, I can get this on, or I can do this, or I can get this tablet, or whatever. And then, you know, something I might like better is going to come along, you know, four weeks later, six weeks later, two months later. And that adds to what's always been difficult. I, I think this has actually always been a difficulty for people, but I think it's just pressed that much further in our kind of culture. It's like a we consumer
1: mentality.
3: Yes, exactly. So, yeah, it's like, i if you think about somebody looking for the love of them, their lives and they're standing in a train station, people have a lot of fear of getting on the wrong train. Yeah. And they have a lot of fear that, okay, well, I'm going to get on this train, and I think that's the one that's going to go the best down the tracks for me in life. But what if that perfect train is like the next one in the station and I've already left? People, part of what happens is commitment. If you're really making a commitment... Uh, You're deciding to give. You're deciding to make a a choice to give up other choices. That's what commitment really is.
1: Oh, that's a great definition. So you're making a choice to give up other choices.
3: Yes. So we live in a culture that really kind of screams at us never do that. Mm -hmm. Never give up your options. Yeah. Keep all your your options open. That's right. And you cannot have a deeper, richer life with. a person and with a family, unless you can really grab hold as an individual and decide, I'm not only okay with that, I understand that, and I get it that that's the way it is, and I need to choose to do that. Hmm. Is it, um,
1: it's interesting. I guess it's this mentality, too, that there is this perfect one out
3: there. Yeah, that's another. Uh, and I've, I've wondered about whether or not that's sort of like a newer, strong idea. Fed by the mentality of the consumer culture or the market, uh, a lot of the time I think the this and that's one version of sort of the soulmate angle is the way I talk about it. guess yeah. sort of everybody would like to, you know, marry their soulmate in a way. For some people, the definition of that it isn't just hey we share key values and desire in life or the desire to build a life together. For some people, it goes beyond that and it has this extra wildly unrealistic meaning of I'm gonna find this person that's so perfect for me and thinks I'm so perfect for mm-hmm. them uh, that we're not gonna struggle we're not gonna have problems we're not gonna divorce well you know what's that mean that means when you actually have a real struggle because you've actually really committed to a real person, you start to look around and think, uh, oh, you know, I didn't get my soulmate because I wouldn't struggle with my soulmate. Yeah. So the crazy idea in terms of the reality of what is otherwise, you know, a really healthy, good marriage for life.
1: Well, that seems so interesting because, yeah, what do you do when you're struggling with your soulmate or when you just have, you lose a child with your soulmate and you have to deal, I mean, just regular life stuff, not even... Interpersonal, not even related to your marriage. Just you lost your job. Yep. Or he doesn't but, uh, provide or...
3: Any one of those things. If your if your sense of life together was defined by how perfect it was supposed to be, when you encounter imperfection, your love, your commitment's going to take a dent. Uh, I can remember this uh, survey from the National Marriage Project in two thousand and two. Uh, where they're presenting all their information about divorce trends and stuff, but they had this sub part of their report on why it's hard for men to commit, and it was very interesting because they had these uh, focus groups, and young men were saying things like, "Well, you know, I really got to find my soulmate. I'm looking for my soulmate now." They're like living with a woman right now, right. by the way, many of them. And uh, so non-soulmate. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, apparently she's not only housemate. Not, exactly, she's not my soulmate. I wouldn't why would I let her in on that secret, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, so I thought, well, well, that's kind of crass. But yeah. one of the really interesting things in the interviews with the guys is they said, well, uh, compared to what I'm doing right now with this woman, if I marry a woman, she'll tell me what to do. And And I read that and I thought, No, dude, you know, that's, (laughs) that isn't quite what you mean to say. What you really are thinking is if I marry her, she has the right to tell me what to do. Yeah. That I have now committed myself at a different level. And you put it all together, they were kind of saying, well, you know, a soulmate's just going to be really into digging me yeah. and not tell me what <laughs> to do. unconditionally. I mean, yeah, unconditional love, except it's unconditional yeah. uh, asymmetrical.
1: That's, you know? Well, your soulmate wouldn't care if the toilet seat was up or down.
3: That's exactly Your soulmate right, would have would just no sense of you.
1: It's, uh, isn't that, and it, it really is, and you know what, you can almost see that uh, that mentality would sort it would sort out a lot of people and a lot of families
3: oh it's yeah it's uh you know it's a defining feature of uh, you know a lot of people actually say this is exactly what they're looking for, and it's the most important thing in finding that person that they would make this big commitment to is that they've got to find their soulmate well, if it's the healthier definition, that's great if it's the not-so-healthy, unrealistic definition, uh, it's like a, the, the famous Star Trek episode from, I think it was the early 80s, could have been the early 90s, I forget, but there's this uh, ambassador and it's brought aboard the starship and uh, he's got this female consort with her and she's from this uh, uh planet where the women are uh, what they call empaths. And these women uh, were... So empathic, they they would tune themselves to whichever male is closest at the moment. So oh, means wow. they have they have no needs, they have no desires. It's all about you, and I'm so into you, and I want to serve you. And well, that sounds like, like heaven. This. Oh, it doesn't it sound. They great. found heaven, uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you th- that's what some people.
2: Think not it is. everybody
3: you know that's what some people are actually kind of expecting uh and it's the odds are not great yeah. that if they flip the question that they could honestly say well that's what i'm offering also isn't that interesting
1: and it's got it to, to some degree you know it's got to be two ways if we want this thing to work unless we actually yeah. did go to another planet <laughs> where we found yeah. these women No, yeah, oh, well, it really boy. works
3: well it's two imperfect people that kind of struggle, but the commitment is it gets you through and you feel like you're conquering stuff together. I mean, that's like the real healthy stuff, uh, not this mirage. I love it. So
1: um, what I want to do then, Scott, is we're going to come back and I'd love you to just keep going and teach us, so kind of teach us what is the healthier view? um, how, How should we be progressing. And so I'm thinking, I mean, our listeners, this will be their children, their grandchildren, some people out there maybe that have been burnt from a first marriage, ready to go on to a second marriage. But how should we be progressing towards our marriages? I mean, I would love to also hear a little bit of the premarital cohabitation (laughs) stuff. I mean, we always kind of think of the trial marriage. Is that Is that a healthy thing? Is it a healthy thing to go out and cohabitate and test a bunch and just see, you know, which one's the best fit? Again, part of the consumer mentality, it seems like. Yep. But we'll come back and we'll have you dive into all of that. We're talking to Dr. Scott Stanley from the University of Denver and feel so grateful, fortunate to have him with us. Talking commitment, talking relationships, how to make sure that our life has a great shot of making our relationships have a great shot of making a long term marriage. Up next on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.
2: show we're listening to this wisdom packed interview with scott stanley about the culture of non-commitment in today's society and think about it we are just swimming in this idea that we can have whatever we want whenever we want it the modern world is fostered in non-committal relationships think about it how long have you had your cell phone It's not like when you turned 18, you decided on what phone you felt was right and fit in your pocket and helped you get your work done and then just stuck to it for the rest of your life. You probably got one that was either hot on the market at the time or that was just the cheapest and most convenient when you first got your plan. So you bought it and planned on just using it until the next best thing came out. You're content with it because you know you can get an upgrade in a couple of years. And even if there's stuff you don't like about it, you can probably just hold out for a little bit until the next model comes out with all the better features that you were looking for. But what about those decisions in life where you don't get the option of upgrading or returning or getting a refund? What about those decisions where you don't get a drop-down menu of filter options to make your selections? Things like marriage. People today struggle making those kind of commitment decisions, and so they try to create their own 30-day free trials or their own filtering systems or their own return policies. And that's why there are so many couples today cohabitating without committing to marriage. In this next segment, Dr. Stanley is going to go more into this concept and tell us why this practice is actually deceiving society and has a lot more disadvantages than it might look like.
1: Okay, so we're bringing on Dr. Scott Stanley, uh, who is really is one of the great leaders in the field of marriage enrichment, marriage and family. Uh, Dr. Stanley is the author of a bunch of books, one including Fighting for Your Marriage, 12 Hours to Great Marriage, The Power of Commitment. He's authored also or co-authored the curricula such as Prep, Within My Reach, Within Our Reach and On My Shoulders. Uh, Dr. Scott Stanley out of the University of Denver. Dr. Stanley, welcome back with us. Thanks,
3: Matt. There, there are a lot of people. I think this is a really big deal. There's a lot of people that, uh, in fact, we can put this in the context of cohabitation because I think this is a, this yeah. is a very common kind of dynamic these days, uh, which is that y- you have a lot of people, even conservatively re- religious people, who kind of think, well, this is a good idea. You test some things out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and the issue there is that the research has never really shown an advantage for it. Studies for decades have generally shown disadvantages being associated with it. Uh, and, you know, there's some data that's a push and some that, you know, it goes both ways at the moment in terms of where it's headed. But here's what we think actually happens related to it that's a trap for people. And then we can add this, this let's get married trap to it. Okay. Is it, there's, what people don't get about cohabitation in America these days is it's perceived, and people are more or less even trained to think this way by the media and everything, it's perceived as costless relative to marriage. Yeah. So all the costs are loaded up with marriage, uh, but for some reason, living together, even starting a family together, intertwining your financial lives, somehow that's like no big deal and not much of a risk if you don't attach the marriage work to it, uh, word to it. When What people are missing there is especially when people move in together sort of earlier in the sequence of knowing a person what they're doing is they're making it harder to break up before they've actually decided they want to be together mm. and and that's a profound kind of an insight that people you can't get that out of the culture. You can find some people on the Internet that sort of get that. But people are doing this all the time now. They they slide into cohabiting, and then they find, oh, well, now it's going to be like a bigger hassle to yeah. break up. But now we have a dog. You're, you're not the awesome person I thought you were. Right. In fact, I'm pretty sure now you're not my soulmate. But now what do I do? Because right. now it's pretty hard to break up.
1: That's interesting. We... We are, so it's funny. We make all these other commitments. We get a dog together, we get an apartment, we sign a lease, we share whatever, but we won't, but we haven't yet decided we actually want to be together.
3: Right, and not overtly. And, and so there's all kinds of things that go wrong in that scenario. And, and by the way, just so that I've said the research finding, what we find is if uh people wait till marriage or they're engaged like mutual public engaged yeah. before they live together from a research perspective they those couples all look better on average than the couples that live together before that clarity about the future is really there and public mm-hmm. and mutual so what happens with a lot of people is well maybe one sure you know i i know i want you Uh, And I know you're a little reluctant, but I'll get you there, you know, I'll get you to the altar. I think that happens a lot. Uh, And and what happens in those relationships, people just don't see this coming. And, And while certainly lots of cohabiting couples break up, what people don't factor in is I'm about to make it harder to break up with somebody that I really haven't decided yet I want to spend my life with. Yeah.
1: Does it then, I guess, impact the next one?
3: Yeah, because, well, let's talk about some big impacts and some small impacts. Uh, Just statistically, serial cohabitation is like a growing phenomenon now, and uh, meaning, you know, one after another, not living materials or something. Um, So, people that have lived with more partners or have had sex with more partners, I mean, statistically, those are not good signs. And some of that. It has to do with prior risks and, you know, what you were dealt with as a hand in life and your parents' relationship and all that kind of stuff. But some of it is, you know, you really, many people are sort of lowering their chances in the next relationship because, at the very least, I'm spending a lot of time with this person that I'm not going to decide right. to hang out with or is not going to decide to hang And there's other opportunities that might have been my best one that are moving by uh, while I'm hanging out over here. more challenging what happens, and the research on this is just very clear. People, um, uh, whatever else somebody believes or their values about sex before marriage, about birth control, and all these kind of things, statistically, People become less careful about not having a child, whatever that means for this couple, once they're living together. They also tend to be having more sex because they're like, you they're know, together. you are. Yeah. yeah, right. So you know what happens when you're less careful about whether you're having a child right. or not and you're having more sex? is. Uh,
1: so wow. now we're having kids and we're right. in an un- I guess committed or less committed potentially married. Yeah, and this is a really
3: big big deal. I mean, policy people argue about this a lot without sort of getting the essential thing to argue about. It's not that those two people because that happened became bad parents of right. individuals or something. But what happened there that's really challenging now for this kid is this kid's now in the world, brought into the world by two people that hadn't decided beforehand. Let's raise a kid together.
0: Hmm. Let's
3: do a family. So it's not like they're bad individuals. No. But here's this kid and they didn't decide to do the kid thing together. They're just hanging out and having more sex and here's a baby. So it's less now intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we get me now we got like an, another giant I call them in the research constraints, which contribute to the inertia of this relationship
0: continuing.
3: And what our research shows is that all those things, you just give a really good insightful list about the lease or different things people can do buying a puppy, you right. know vacation plans together, sharing a gym membership. All those things increase the odds of a couple at this stage of life being together in the future regardless of how dedicated they are to each other. Hmm. And you know what doesn't? Uh, in, in a study that we published two years ago, having a child together doesn't add at all to the likelihood of that couple staying together.
1: Well, doesn't it actually decrease certain measurements of marital satisfaction?
3: Yes, so you got two things going on there. So on the one hand, it's become uh, uh, you know more of a constraint to stay together, maybe even more of a desire, hey, I really want to be a parent of this child, and even you mean especially if you're the male, mm-hmm. much less likely to be very involved in this child's life. So there's that part, there's the added stress and strain. So there's kind of a push and a pull. But the ironic thing is, is that uh, things like vacation plans, signing a lease, gym membership, cell phone planning together, they actually tell you more about whether a couple's likely to stay together than having a child together oh, in that context. And the reason is, is really pretty obvious when you start to think about it. We didn't decide to have the child together. You have to decide to share a cell phone plan because you have to go sign the papers together.
1: Oh, interesting. And just like you'd have to decide to go get married.
3: Yes, exactly. There you go. It's an actual act. It's a commitment. And
1: it's interestingly, It's a societal contract. You know, you're under, you know, legal obligation now. (laughs)
3: Yeah, somebody's I mean, going to be unhappy if you just decide bailing on that. You, you can buy your way out of that cell phone contract. Yeah. But uh, the more important part is the fact that you're in it you together represents it. some intention. I love it. Uh, but wow, did having a child together represent any intention at all? That's a- pretty big
1: question it really is oh excellent stuff Kate. Okay, we're going to take a break can you come back with us right in a few minutes dr stanley can you just hang on the Absolutely. line Absolutely. okay yeah, we'd love sure. to come back when we come back we'll have a big uh, block of time and i'd really love to just have you tell us what should we be doing to prepare to commit more to to be more into our marriages we're taking a break from dr scott stanley from the university of denver talking marriage and commitment right here on the matt townsend show
2: The Matt Townsend Show. I hope you've been listening to this interview with Scott Stanley because it's packed with stuff that we all need to hear. But if not, I'll give you a little recap. He's addressing a big problem in today's society, commitment issues. And in the last segment, he talked in particular about the dangers of cohabitation. If you don't know what that is, it's when two people live together and often have intimate relationships when they aren't married. He very boldly told us that there are no advantages to cohabitation. Studies have only proved disadvantages. He said that the big trap of the allure to cohabitating with your partner before you're married is that it's loaded with the costs of marriage without any of the benefits. You have the responsibilities and the ties of marriage, but somehow it's not a big deal if you don't label it marriage. And the big thing is that you tie yourself to this person and make it so much harder to break up with them before you even decide that you want to live and And spend your lives together. So it's kind of like you're pretending to commit. He also said something else really interesting. That people are tending more and more now to live with different partners one right after the other. And kind of get in this habit of cohabitation. But he said this so-called serial cohabitation actually lowers your chances of success or commitment in future relationships. Yikes. So... What is the solution to all of this ambiguity in relationships then? According to Dr. Stanley, there's a pretty simple answer. Deciding. And that's what the last part of this interview is all about. The importance of making a decision.
1: It's just it's interesting because so many people, like you were saying, they would think cohabitating is a costless problem. It's just, you know, we're just testing. Yep. but there's more to it than that. You're also in. You're also not committing. I mean, you're not making a choice to be married.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, in fact probably about uh, 2 thirds You can get different estimates out of different samples, but about two thirds of the couples cohabiting uh, really are sliding into it. And and for some, it's it's not only that there's not a discussion about what it is and what it means, you and me, etc. Uh, there's a subset within there, I couldn't tell you how big, but I think it's a growing and large group where there's an intentional avoidance of that discussion because I think Ooh. there's a lot of people around these days who, you mentioned attachment earlier, I think, yeah. on, a, on a break, you know, that they're insecure enough about attachment that they kind of don't want to press for clarity because they're afraid it will push the person away. Right. Well, the reality is, is unclarity, when it lands you in a relationship where you're a lot more into the other person than they are into you, it's a, it's a bad deal. And uh, here's one of the pieces of advice uh, for your audience based on the question you gave me before the break, is if if you think about what people are doing now, one of the really gigantic changes, I think, is if you look at cohabitation, sex, uh, even having children, There's just all these things that historically people recognized are not. You could maybe find exceptions as a researcher, I would put a different hat on, just how I feel about it personally, but as a researcher, okay, sometimes uh, maybe that wasn't life-altering or not, you know, in terms of what somebody went through, but all those transitions are either by definition or they're potentially life-altering. They, mm-hmm. could, al- they could alter every other option you're going to have now.
1: Yeah, in your job, your, your work, your ability to get educated.
3: Everything. Yeah. If you're making a potentially life altering transition, you probably are being smarter if you're making a decision about it and let it instead of letting it just happen to you or letting it slide, yeah, just kind of uh, easy, yeah, yeah, so that's thinking, talking, deciding, maybe asking friend, talking with your part- i mean whatever else somebody's values or beliefs about the behavior and the meaning of it uh you gonna kind of just let it happen to you and change your life, or would you like to make a decision about things that are going to change your life? It's interesting uh, that
1: you wouldn't think that marriage was was that. I mean, the, the way they, the way I kind of hear people talking about it, it's just marriage. Marriage is just this social thing that's kind of going out of vogue. You know what I mean? Yep, it's not that big yep. of a deal. But you're, what you're kind of making is the case that no, it's 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 critical it's choice it's a it's an actual pivot moment where we're choosing something and leading our lives
3: right and here's the the a couple of scary details about it I mean part of why for some it's uh cohabitation's a problem is that the transition into marriage isn't as much of a pivot moment because mm. they're already being carried along by the inertia of everything came before so I started living with you before really deciding anything about really wanting to have a life with you. I started parenting with you before really deciding I wanted to build a family with you. And now I, the next step is I'm being drawn into marriage and sort of here we are with a life together. But, you know, five years, ten years down the road, it gets hard. I'm sitting there thinking, how did I even get here? You yeah. know, I, didn't I didn't even choose this. this exactly i didn't choose you, mm. and at gut check time, the sense that i didn't even choose to be here you're you're in a pretty big hole oh. uh, you you're pretty stuck and you might have two um, kids by then or whatever you might have two kids the mortgage you mm. know all the you know everything um, and so one of the rules or one of the lessons of some of that is you know if it 's potentially life altering recognize that these things actually are, and you should be making a decision if it's really important to you, and I would say, hint, hint, it should be, um, <laughs> to really have somebody who's as committed to you as you are to them in life. The secret of that is you're looking for a mutual Public declaration of commitment while the person still has relatively all their free will. Um, oh, and a lot of these things are sort of diminished from the culture, even I'm sure going steady is diminishing some. Ironically, an interesting artifact sort of of uh, the electronic world that's making a comeback here is the public official thing on Facebook is yeah. actually a very good trend because that forces an interesting discussion. You can fake yourself out, a person can fake you out a long time about whether there's equal or relatively equal commitment here. But when you have to start announcing it to other people,
1: ah, so true.
3: mutual public declarations are protective because it makes it harder to hide out. And that's the thing about marriage. I mean, if people really, really don't like the M-word or the concept, they can take this point conceptually and sort of stick it in that loop if they want. But mm-hmm. so that is the powerful thing that marriage does is... It may or may not have been a good idea. You may have stumbled your way into it or whatever. But there's such a common, generic, big understanding of what that meant, the two of you at least mean to say mm-hmm. publicly, uh, that that's, uh, that's a big part of the power of it. Yeah. It does say more than, collaboration. comparatively, doesn't even mean I'm off the market. Yeah right. Uh, we know that from our data. I mean, one might be thinking that the others agreeing that that means we're off the market, but it does not mean that you are off the market unless it's accompanied by something like engagement or marriage.
1: Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So, uh, talk about the attachment kind of issues because it seems like another issue with committing to other people is maybe some just don't know how they they literally have never learned to attach into another hmm. being.
3: I I think that's a a, a great, important point. I guess that's what you were getting
1: at, by the way, with the idea that with more and more of us maybe having more complicated family lives, you know, we're busier, we may not be, and we didn't necessarily intend to have this child, then maybe all of a sudden we're not even attaching in appropriately as parents.
3: Yeah, I have a blog called Sliding Versus Deciding, and one of my favorite entries on that people can go search for if they want is yeah, an entry called resource. The Perfect the perfect Storm. And what I describe in there is how even though the divorce rates come down some, and somewhat people are being more careful about who they choose, and especially for college graduates the divorce has actually come down quite a bit, it's, it's going up for everybody else. but. Um, the number that keeps going up and up and up is the number of kids that are not going to be raised by their own two parents. So regardless of all these other trends, that number keeps going up. So it's an increasingly common phenomenon that, you know, little Billy is born and here's mom and dad and they maybe didn't really kind of decide to do the raising Billy together kind of thing and they blow apart in two years. And it's not like either of those parents now have sworn off romance. You right. know? They're going to fall in love with somebody else. So let's say dad's even involved, but the kid's mostly living with his mom. Mom falls in love with another guy. Okay, maybe that gets pretty serious for nine months or 12 months or whatever. And then maybe that doesn't work, And but they live together for a while. Well, what's happening to Billy? Billy's attached maybe to the first one. Mm-hmm. He gets attached to the next one, maybe to dad. No one's girlfriend. staying. <laughs> no one's staying in his life. I mean, are the odds that people are leaving his life keep going up? So what's happened to his little attachment system by the time he's 20 is he's either very anxious about attaching or very avoidant about attaching mm. to other people. He's going to have a hard time settling down in a good choice and committing to somebody because he doesn't know what secure attachment looks like. Or at least he's been a little more uh, he has been put at risk, yeah I mean, a lot of these, a lot of kids turn out fine by the way, with single parents such sure. clear. but that kid he 's at somewhat greater risk of having some issues about attachment that are now going to show up in his life and maybe be repeated downstream now in the next generation well, and that's and, and a
1: lot of parents aren't even aware they're doing that they're just hey, i've got a life too, Scott. you know I, exactly what am I just right. supposed to sit here and not date?
3: <laughs> yep. uh, that wasn't a yep, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. It's that if you've got a young child, what you are supposed to do or what you should do, I don't think should's a very bad right. word here, is, wow, maybe if you weren't, being all that careful about protecting yourself, you need to step up the game about being protective about that little one, because they are attaching to your partners if they're around much, especially if they move in, and that does have consequence uh, if that relationship then ends and they experience that a lot. Hmm. That's so going more, going slower is like almost always great advice in yeah. love life. Making decisions is going to be almost. Always great advice. And so we just added this important. Idea. If you got a little one, either from a prior divorce, marriage, uh, non-marriage, whatever, roll thoughts about what's happening to that child and you thinking about, is this a good idea right now or not, or should I do this a different way? Uh, that's important. I think
1: that's great advice. Slower, making choices, uh, I guess focusing, if there are kids involved, make sure you're focusing on the kids. Yeah. Um,
3: Think about what they need, and don't don't for a moment try to convince yourself and succeed at it that this stuff doesn't matter for the child. That's just nuts.
1: And that's true, I guess too. I, I have a lot of clients that are divorcing that, um, you know, they, they're you know the kids are resilient; they'll they'll be fine. exactly
3: yes. But well, do the research, and, and there's truth in that. So yeah. that's why I said exactly. I mean, the, so people shouldn't be like totally freaked about, well, I, you know, my kid's ruined forever hopeless uh, because we don't support that. But we are talking about the kids at increased risk. Mm -hmm. There's just no doubt about that. So being a little more thoughtful now, you know, if your kid had a condition that made them more prone to skin cancer, wouldn't you? want to be a little more vigilant now about uh, sunscreen. You know, if you knew this or this, if they were prone to diabetes and they didn't have insulin stuff working as well naturally in their body, hopefully you'd make some adjustments about their diet or about sunscreen or about their activities. You know, the same thing goes for your love life. You, You might need to be making some adjustments and be thinking, how is this affecting? the child and what's a good idea and what's maybe not such a good idea in terms of how I go through these things.
1: That's good. Great advice. Um, We have about three minutes here. Scott, what, as we kind of think about commitment, um, if if people are out there dating and they, they kind of just sense that they're afraid, they're just, they're just afraid, they're afraid of being hurt, they're afraid of risking, what advice would you give
3: them? I'm so glad you asked that. Uh, here's the way I would think of it right now, just in light of this discussion. Spend a bit of time, maybe even talking with a friend if you have somebody you trust as much, but certainly within yourself, thinking about, what am I afraid of? And and there's two very different kind of answers. Am I afraid of committing to someone? That, that That's sort of one thing to kind of work through and really figuring out and wrestling with the whole idea that, well, yeah, if you're going to commit, you do got to accept the idea that it's making a choice to give up for the choices. That's the deal. Um, on the other hand, your other answer that one could come to is, uh, I'm afraid of something about this person. Um, something's not quite right. Maybe they have too many... Drinks, maybe they have these bad habits, maybe they, you're not really quite sure how they're making that much money. You know, there's something, uh, those are two very different kinds of fears, because the one is something you have to work in with yourself, and if you're making a good, a relatively informed, good, careful, not too fast choice in a partner, shared values, uh, attraction, absolutely, Shared sense that do you want kids together? You want to raise You know, figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. If all those answers are looking pretty good and you're just kind of freaked about the cold feet about marriage, that's the you work that through with yourself and your your friends, maybe counseling, whatever. Uh, on the other hand, if you sense something that actually worries you uh, a good deal about this other person, uh, that that's worth listening to, and that yeah. that case is more like. Maybe you should move on, and and for sure, what you shouldn't do is move in. So the yeah, move on, not is, in. Yeah, I mean, the worst thing of all is to move in to test the relationship, because what yeah. our data shows is that if you're doing that, you actually probably already knew all you need to know.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, then it's just time. Yep, it's you chairs did. on the Titanic, right?
3: Yeah, quit moving yeah, the chairs yeah, exactly. around. Exactly. Welcome to your cabin. Love it. I'm already below water. That's right.
1: <laughs> Well Scott yep. Stanley, so appreciate you um and your work. If if they want more information from you, I guess sliding deciding dot com. And that yep, is good stuff there. It's great stuff. It's a blog with just a one a wonderful information on it, but it's sliding versus vs, so yep, sliding VS sellings, deciding dot com. So sliding vs. we'll
3: will get them to that. And then in terms of the things we've talked about today, that book the power of commitment really uh, gets after a lot of these kinds of things.
1: And they can get that anywhere.
3: Yep, anywhere.
1: Because you're everywhere. <laughs> well, Dr. Scott uh, Stanley, you're, you really are, and I really respect you a lot in the work you're doing. You're changing a lot of lives and uh, educating us in in the meantime. So we are for sure going to beg to have you back on another time. Thanks so much, man. This brain. was a real delight. You bet. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott Stanley from the University of Denver. Sliding versus com. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. Going to get another perspective on commitment see if Rob learned anything from Dr. Scott Stanley. See if he's going to risk even more. Uh, And, you know, maybe we'll have a marriage someday. On the show, on the Matt Townsend Show.
2: Back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. Did you hear the last segment with Dr. Stanley? It was awesome. He talked about the importance of making decisions and decisions that have consequences that we might not be able to choose. And that is scary. I know it's scary because I was stuck there for a long time. The problem people have with deciding to move into marriage is that it's a choice that eliminates other choices. Meaning you're committing to one person, which means you're not going to be dating around all of your other choices. And that can be a hard thing to wrap our minds around when we're so used to having all of our choices at our fingertips. You can sample all the flavors before you decide on what ice cream to buy. You have 30 days to return something to Amazon if it doesn't fit right. You can write a complaint letter to a company about something you weren't satisfied with, and they will mail you something free back in apology. And those exceptions and ways out are always in the back of our minds when we're making decisions. But Dr. Stanley said that this is a vital part of our lives, making educated decisions and sticking with them, even if we don't know all of the consequences. And cohabitating is a way that people try to get around this. Even living with someone nowadays doesn't mean you're completely off the market. But he also talked about the struggles of this, especially when kids come into the picture. A lot of single parents get into the trap of going from partner to partner, trying to find the best fit and someone who will be better than the last and will match their kid perfectly. But he said that parents need to be aware that kids attach to these partners. And when these attachments in their lives move in and out so often, it can make them anxious and avoidant in attaching later on in their lives. So to go along with today's episode of The Fear of Committing to Marriage... I wanted to play you some of Matt's wise words. I may have played this a little bit ago, but for this last part of today's episode, I felt like it would be very fitting to play a coaching corner from Matt where he busts some myths and misconceptions people have about marriage.
1: All marriages are not created equal, right? So if, if a 19 to 24-year-old person gets pregnant, historically we'd say you got to marry the man. Marry the man that you know makes it legit now we've got a legitimate thing going on here. And then all of a sudden, we suppose that that would then all of a sudden pull them out of the financial hole. And the problem is it's not the reality they're finding. They're finding that it doesn't necessarily increase or create long-term health for the mother in economic – with economic struggles. So – it it might be a myth to just automatically push marriage now we should probably be pushing well let's not get pregnant right that should be pushed but again because of whatever reasons and accidents or you know things happen that all of a sudden yet you're pregnant one of the things we probably ought to do is make sure we're evaluating each situation one on one what is the 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 educational and the mental and the intellectual abilities of the people involved that are going to be parenting? what are the uh, financial implications what what is their earning ability what educational level have they attained? what resources do they have available to them it's these are all important parts of the decision and There are people that would love to adopt if you want to give the child up. There are parents begging, praying, crying for opportunities to adopt. And so um, marriage may not always be the answer in those situations because, again, who is the father? What What are the opportunities of the father being able to make it? What is the father's support level at getting out? So you know, it used to make more sense, and I think it used to make more sense as a solution because we were in a different culture. We were in a different environment where we could just say, you know, you ought to stay married or you ought to get married if you get pregnant. And that made sense in in smaller town, kind of Christian-supported cultures and environments because you had a tight-knit group maybe more around you. But in inner city, difficult, financially strained situations – it doesn't necessarily lead to health. Uh, and if it doesn't lead to health for the mother, it probably won't lead to health for the child. It might lead to abuse and, and other situations. So be careful when we think about our answers from 20, 30 years ago being the only answer today. Um, there are more options and more choices that are healthy um, that, again, there are people that would love to raise your child in a, in a marriage – um if if that has to happen as well so let me give you some other things we want to blow up a few other myths about marriage that we want to support and blow up um remember I'm a relationship coach I'm a marriage coach I I work with couples every day thousands a year teaching them how to strengthen their marriage I'm not anti marriage I am a I am a realist though and um to think that it's the answer it, sometimes it's not. I mean, sometimes the answer for everybody is not to go to college either. Sometimes the answer is to get to work, right? Sometimes the answer is, um, you know, there's, it needs to be customized to what you're going through. Another myth here, that your true love will automatically know what to say and do to make you happy. I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no on that um, because think about it. I don't even know what I truly want to be happy. So how on earth is my wife supposed to know that? We got to be real about what, what is a realistic thing that we could be doing and a realistic uh, expectation in my relationship is the, the reality is is if I want my wife to know something, I need to tell her. If I'm too afraid to tell her, then that's just not going to work. You need to go by based on what we're communicating, what we're sharing with each other. Healthy marriages have the ability to share. Uh, another um, interesting, you know, myth is that having kids might bring couples closer together. <laughs> some of the latest research shows that having children actually increases uh, or decreases marital satisfaction. But it increases family satisfaction. So as a family, you're getting healthier. You like what you're doing. Things are happening. Your family life's getting better because you're having these children. But a lot of times these children are going to take your time away from each other. So the only way to actually make a couple work better after having kids together is to work on it and to put your couple and your marriage relationship first. Thank you. You put it first, and then all of a sudden, bada boom, bada bing, whatever you're focusing on is going to grow. If you focus on your relationship, your marriage, your marriage will get better with children. If you focus only on your children, your marriage will probably suffer. Um, uh, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. Um, differences in your marriage will ruin your marriage. Fact is, not true. Differences are actually essential to a healthy relationship just like you know uh, potential I- infections and issues in our environment are better for your Im- for your immunization for your uh, immunology your ability for your immune system to be strengthened you need a resistance right you need to have something fighting against you the same is true in our marriages whenever somebody tells me we never fight i don't think oh they're healthy i immediately think well how is it that you don't talk? Is it that you don't care? Is it that you have everything exactly in common? Um, that usually doesn't happen. There's a point where you somebody has a different opinion. But at some point, differences don't kill your marriage. Actually, differences give you opportunities to get stronger and better in your marriage. Uh, thank you. And another myth that we've got to blow up. We'll take a break, come back, continue this coaching corner, give you a few more myths about marriage that we need to uh really focus and deal with stick with us folks helping you uh love stronger this is the matt townsend show we'll be right back welcome back everybody to the matt townsend show hey um, Another little uh, myth for you as we're debunking some of the myths about uh, marriage. Um, we've kind of already talked about the fact that, uh, you know, in your marriage, kids can bring happiness, but they also can bring dissension and division. So it depends on what you're focusing on. That's one merit myth we got to blow up. Another myth is that uh, marriage means you're going to have less sex less sex in your relationship. But according to researchers at the Kinsey Institute, um, they basically found that couples that were married um, are having more sex and they're actually having better sex as they would rate it than those couples that are single. We kind of think that our single friends that are, uh, you know, engaging in sex are so much happier, but uh, 43% said that of the singles, um, Women who were ages between the ages of 25 and 29 reported having uh, uh, fewer uh, sex, uh, ha- having sex fewer times than those of their married friends of the same age. So that's you know pretty interesting, pretty interesting little myth debunked. Um, Another uh, interesting thing we talked about a little bit is that happy couples don't argue. The research actually does show that uh, the healthiest couples actually do have a healthy dose of arguments. It's, it's not whether you argue or not that makes the difference. It's how you discuss things that is the real key that we need to pay attention to. Uh, many people have a marriage myth belief that being married is the same as cohabitating. Not true, folks. Not true. There is a big uh, division between those that are married and living together and those that are cohabitating and living together. And the researcher said, believe it or not, that those that are cohabitating aren't going to last as long as those that are married simply because they have a commitment. People that would choose to cohabitate might already have an aversion to getting married, and that very sign may be meaning they're less – Uh, willing to commit. Bing! There you go, folks. Just a few of the myths about marriage and children uh, and communication debunked for you.
2: Bam! Way to lay down the truths about marriage. All marriages are not created equally, meaning you need to take into consideration all the surrounding factors to make educated decisions on things like marriage and cohabitating and raising kids out of wedlock. And despite what people might think today, marriage and cohabitation are different. I love what Dr. Stanley said. If you're afraid of committing, take some time to think about what it is you're afraid of. Is it committing? Or are there actual concerns about who your partner is? And if you do have hesitations on who your partner is, then move on. Don't move in. Tying yourself in cohabitation is a false sense of commitment without the benefits of a fully committed marital relationship. And I thought he made a very bold statement when he said that It's almost always great advice when you're making relationship decisions to go slower. Take your time to think about these things and then actually decide. And I love this episode because it's something that I needed to hear to get me to do the right thing. I'll be the first one to admit that I didn't just have cold feet. I had frozen feet for a while because no matter how great what you have in front of you is, we live in a culture that is always whispering, but what if there's something better? Yes, there's the exact pair of pants you need for a fair price and quality right in front of you. But what if it goes on sale next week? What if another store has a little bit better brand? What if you can find the same thing at a thrift store? Yes, that partner is attractive and smart and makes you feel secure. But what if there's someone smarter, prettier, richer, and matches everything on your ideal list if you just hold out a little longer? Well, I've been there, sad to say. But then I made a decision, and it was hard because I'd never done anything like it before. There was no 30-day return policy, but the sale does end, and once it's gone, it's gone. Getting myself to actually try a kind of commitment I'd never done before was hard, but it is literally the best thing I've done in my life. It's so worth it, and that's why I agree with all the things Matt and Dr. Stanley talked about today, because I learned firsthand— that lifetime commitment is completely worth it and so much better than always shopping around. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you learned and felt something today. I'm Leanna Tan. Join me again next time for another great episode of Matt Townsend.